Ahoy, lads, lassies, and swabbies alike. Welcome to the Good Ship No Clip. Today we're going to be talking about Wind Waker. I'm Chad Rutherman. I'm J.J. Artemis. And I'm Andy Kanick. The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker uh, is a game that was released in 2003 on the Nintendo GameCube. Uh, which was, of course, developed and published by Nintendo, as it is a Not Legend really? of Zelda. Yeah, no, right. I, I didn't know that. Uh, and I actually am not 100% sure about how JJ feels about this, Me but either. it is among mine and Andy's favorite uh, Zelda games. Not the favorite, right? Well, oh, it's, my, it's my favorite, but... Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm giving the most disappointing an- answer possible, in saying that, I thought it was okay. Yeah, I thought I thought it was kind of just okay the whole time. Uh, it had, you know, its ups and downs, its twists and turns, uh, but nothing particularly, like that, nothing that made me think it stood out as like the best Zelda I've ever played. Certainly not compared to Majora's Mask, anyway. Right. It's definitely the best Zelda game uh, on the market. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> There's no question about that. Yeah, that, that is objectively true. Um, but uh, basically, the game broke from uh, the previous Zelda games, which were the N64 iterations. So prior to this, we had the 2D Zelda games, which looked like more or less with aesthetic design on the level of whatever console they came out on. Uh, but the N64 Zelda games both strive for like a sort of realistic approach um, with Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, in case you're wondering, uh, in, like, in terms of like the world design and everything. And Wind Waker drew a lot of flack when it first came out for having a cel-shaded, sort of cartoony style. And I think this is probably the game's like best strength of everything that it has going for it the look and feel of the game is entirely set by that sort of art direction. Good. Tell me why. Because I, I'm aware that it was a source of controversy at the time, and I'm you aware it's easily the was most... Was controversy? Not that. Oh, okay. I'm aware that it's easily the most distinctive feature of the game, particularly given all the other similarities to other Zelda titles, but like, why is the cartoony like Toon Link style that important to you? Well, I, don't say, I wouldn't say that it's important to me so much as it, as it is important to the tone of the game. Because while it does have, like... It wants you to take its story seriously. The overall tone of this game is one that is much more, like... I don't say, like, joyous, even though you do pick up joy pendants (laughs) and turn them into, like, a happy, fat, smiling teacher. It's it's more happy-go-lucky. Yeah. Children's storybook piracy? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah pirates that have, like, just, like, yeah, straight up, like... <laughs> like, dumb pirates. Yeah. Cartoon, like, Looney Tunes With pirates. striped shirts and ascots, <laughs> yeah. 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 Only looking for treasure and never for booty. Right. Mm. Okay. It's, yeah, uh, yeah, it, it does have that sort of feel. I don't necessarily think that, like, it's a game that absolutely requires it. But if it didn't have it, it wouldn't be the Wind Waker. Like, right. it would be just, like, another Zelda game. Like, it fits the, um, like, kind of, like, the aesthetic themes of Zelda games. Like, all the goofy, colorful characters and, like, just kind of fit better. Or fit well. Not better, necessarily. They fit well in the cartoony art style. And, like, it allows for the characters to be, like, more expressive. Like, like Link. It was, like, this was the first game 
where like Link's eyes would like roam freely to give you hints, and right. like he has like those like cartoony facial expressions, like oh I'm surprised, now I'm sad. Yeah. If you like walk by an enemy or like a quest specific item, like your head will turn and slowly look at it, and they gave Link a lot more of like the simplicity of the art style allowed for Link to be more expressive and more. I mean, entertaining yeah. and adorable. And yeah, and I don't know, like, I feel like that idea initially came from that art style. Because right. he has, like, such big eyes. They were like, oh, we can have, like, you know, his pupils look over there as a hint. Right? Also, you can have him sidle up to a wall and become, like, the spitting image of James Bond himself. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he squeaks his way. Maybe James Bond Jr., that cartoon show. God, that eyebrow. The perfect eyebrow and all of the sidling animations. I was yeah. afraid, I was worried uh, that... The, the game didn't have enough sidling, and unfortunately, those fears were confirmed by the end. Where I was just doing not it. enough sidling. Not enough sidling, says JJ. Yeah, not enough of a game mechanic that just requires you to hold the left. <laughs> the Legend of Zelda sidling simulator. Yeah. You cannot make a facial expression that funny and then show it to me exactly one time. That's true. I demand more funny facial expressions. But without. I mean, without debating, like, the aesthetic style of Zelda games as a whole, you can't... I believe that you do not disagree with the fact that the aesthetic style works, and that it absolutely is, like, a... It's probably the distinguishing feature of the game. Oh, yeah. completely agree with that. I might take a little bit of issue with trying to draw a more harder distinction between the old games and the new style, like Ocarina of Time and such... It's hard for me to tell how much the old games were like initially striving for realism compared to just and being at the same time limited to like the N sixty four tech hardware, or whether they actually intended things to look that sort of blown up and blocky. Because I don't I think there think is a through line that the the original game, like the two D games, yeah. right. I should say, um, did have like a cartoony aesthetic because, you know, that's just kind of how video games were back then. Like, they didn't try to make them look realistic, because right. why even? Yeah, well, yeah I mean, <laughs> like, in The Legend of Zelda, Link is, like, a 3 by 4 like, right, like, pixel grid, yeah, and they had to convey there. main character. Right, effect. and then even, like, A Link to the Past is pretty cartoony. You know, you fight, like, pigmen and stuff. Right. And Things are inexplicably pink. Right, yeah. like his hair, or right. that's part of his hat, who knows. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> And then I I do think with Ocarina and Majora they were like we can make games look more realistic now and I do think that's what they were going for, and then I think with the Wind Waker they were like they like because they did that the infamous tech demo of like the new like Zelda game for the GameCube and it was like a realistic like Link fighting Ganondorf thing right and that's why people were so mad when they like showed footage of the Wind Waker and it was like something completely different right like uh, uh and I was <laughs> <laughs> um uh, now I lost my train of thought Chad oh Chad what have you done I'm gonna totally interject now okay go for it <laughs> I think that Ocarina of Time uh, so redefined how people thought of Zelda and like what a Zelda game was that even if you consider the Wind Waker's art style to be like a return to form, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I was going. Right? Is uh, it's still like it goes so far against what was set up in the previous games? Right. I think the goal was they like took like a step back and they were like, let's do the aesthetics 
I, whether or not they thought like it didn't look good enough in the realist, like with the, with the technology of the time, like on the GameCube to do it realistic, but they were like, let's take it back and like make it like cartoony. Like, what would like a link to the past look like on the on Game the GameCube? Game right. I think mm-hmm. that's like was their leaping off point. So like they took like the foundation they had with the N sixty four games and tried to like put the old aesthetic onto it, and the product is the Wind Waker. I know that most recently you guys played uh, the HD remake of the game mm-hmm. on uh, the Wii U, but I feel like it is worth mentioning that on the GameCube, and whether or not this is because of the art style or not, but like the game, even from like a, a graphically technical standpoint, is still really impressive. Because it has like, it, they put so much attention to detail in terms of the, uh, like the 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 particle effects like there's smoke effects and like the the flowing like when you pick up one of the the spears from the pig enemies oh yeah, yeah. They have little puffs they of have, dust right but they have like the yeah when you drop them like the dust the yeah. dust comes off the ground yeah, and like they like have the like the streamers that come dust. down yeah and the streamers that come off of the spear like flow realistically in the wind and that was all I mean more or less not really anything that was heavily, like, advertised as part of another game's graphical style. And Wind Waker pulls that off so well. And, I don't know, it all just seems very tight. Why this one? Why, uh, is it, is it really just, like, the visual aesthetic that sets it apart from, like, all the other comparable Zelda games we could be talking about right now for you guys? I assume there's more. Well, hmm. There's lots of really cool stuff in the game there's, that we're going to get into. There's more unique to to it than that like the whole mechanic that the game is built around which is the the world being like a post like great flood yeah. sea faring world is inc- like incredibly unique yeah i would say that from uh from a mechanic standpoint the biggest difference between wind waker and other like comparable 3d zelda games is the fact that it is like you sp- <laughs> like y- your open world is entirely like drowned in water, like it's just the great sea, and uh, there's only like there aren't even that many islands, right? All things considered, no. yeah. I should have counted the grid before coming on here. It would have been interesting to know like the exact number. There's like maybe like four or five like major islands, and then a bunch of small ones, right? But it gives you an absolute like like a legitimate sense of discovery when you run across an island. Whether it provides you with, like, a substantial reward or even just, like, some rupees or whatever, when you're just, like, sailing, when you get on the boat and just, like, set sail and you're going toward whatever your, ostensibly whatever your destination is, and you see a small island off to the side, and you, like, veer over there and hop off and blow up a rock and, like, drop down, there's, like, a little miniature dungeon with a treasure chest at the end, you really do feel like you're, like, a pioneer. Like, I finally just, like, I just discovered this, like, small island and got a reward for doing it. It's, I don't know. Like, to, to me, that's a huge part of what makes this game fun. Yeah. I say I enjoy that aspect, too, but I feel like, I don't know if it's, like, a limitation of the time, but I feel like that gets really old really fast. Because, <laughs> like, every time you find an island, it's, like, the same thing. Like, you get onto the island, there's probably, like, a little hole that you have to, like, find by, like, burning something or blowing something up. Right. Drop down in, 
little mini dungeon. There's a chest where you get like 50 rupees or a heart piece. <laughs> Rinse and repeat. I This was the first time I've ever played the game uh, for the cast where you guys played the game multiple times before this. Um, I was brought in uh, with a sense of discovery. Uh, I really enjoyed going from island to island like that. I think one thing that really assisted in that a lot, and I think there are good and bad things to say of this, unfortunately, but using the great sea structure makes anything you find seem significant, even if it's very, very tiny and just like a random mini dungeon like you were previously describing, because it stands out so harshly from its background. Because like, if you have a standard open world game uh, where you're just like traversing through some kind of like generic field or something like an Ocarina of Time... The, the all these other things in your environment that are like drawing for your attention that create variation mm-hmm. but when you're sailing across the great sea in Wind Waker there is literally nothing but these specific things that the designers wanted you to focus on right I think I agree that there are definitely bad things to be said about that in particular the amount of adversity that you encounter while traversing the great sea could be it could be more difficult because a lot of the times when you run into like enemies you can you either can just, just sail right past Yeah, them. like go around them or just tank the damage and keep going. Yep. I can't say I ever stopped to like fight so, those bomb boats. Oh, right. Like, I always just sail <laughs> past them. I gotta say, I was really disappointed the first time I accidentally got caught in one of those little tornadoes, and I realized it just brought me into the air and back down again, and it did nothing else. Right. It was like, one of the few things I felt like that was like dynamic weather existing in the game that I had to like constantly swerve to avoid. It was really engaging when I thought that they were a huge threat and ended up not being a threat at all. It was the, sad. Uh, what, the giant octos are the only really threat. And those are actually really fun right. to fight. Yeah, they yeah. are. But really annoying if you don't manage to kill them. That's true, yeah. Because they, yeah, they bring you down. My first thought about that is that they couldn't continue to do it all over the place for the sake of the early game because it would be so hard for you to traverse. But once you get access to the whole tornado teleportation system it seems like there isn't a whole lot of downside to introducing more just sort of random surprise moments like the big octos and just any, yeah yeah like we were talking uh in the last resident evil podcast it's the great sea is, such, is the perfect example of an environment in which you fully believe you know everything that's going to happen when you're out on it you just have this literal like flat level of expectation they could have done more with that with various like sea monster tropes just really yeah. You know, or like even just pirate ships. Yeah. Like, just anything like that you wouldn't expect over the horizon or under the sea. Yeah, and like the only... Uh, yeah, it doesn't feel like there's any danger. Right. The one like big variable that, always should, that is discussed at all is the whole like ghost ship, which appears based the ghost on... ghost ship is pretty cool. Yeah, which appears based on like what the moon cycle yep. and like, yeah, like what time of day you're in a particular square... And even that is, like, so heavily discussed, like, by NPCs that you run across that it, like, kind of loses the mystery of it mm-hmm. by the end. Uh, yeah, I mean, before getting the... I feel like that, the teleportation tornadoes, what, what do we call them? The song? The Ballad of Gales. It's the Ballad of Gales. <laughs> After getting the Ballad of Gales, like, um, I feel like it's actually really appropriately placed could you get it early enough? It's like a third of the way through. Right. You get it early enough where it cuts down on the tedium of sailing, but it gives you that full like part of the game where you can just explore. It's right where the game breaks linearity. Right. Because you can then hit the, uh, the things the in whatever storm. order The fire and ice arrows yeah. and then the... 
the earth and wind temples. Mm. Oh yeah, yep. the temple structure. That was that was an interesting choice. Is it the only Zelda game that did that? That had just like a straight up non-linear section where it just essentially told you go collect eight things. We don't care what order you do it. Come back when you're done. Uh, well, no, and sort of. It's For never the, been to progress through the story. I think yes. Yeah. Uh, but well, I mean, if you look at something like uh, A Link Between Worlds, it gives you four dungeons in low rule, and it's just like, do is it only four? I think it's you have four in Hyrule, four in low. Oh, I don't remember. I don't. Maybe. It's yeah, been you, a you little while. You can do it whatever but, order you want. Yeah, you can go. Yeah, you can go to the dungeons. They just each of them requires a particular item that you but, can buy. But you just buy the item and go there. So, the that actually is a huge boon to the like desired non-linearity of a Zelda game because so many uh, things are locked off just by like experiential things like oh well like I could do this dungeon but before I do that I have to get the bow and so to get the bow you have to go to this previous dungeon so they set them up in this like line that you're supposed to do them in right uh which Wind Waker is absolutely that (laughs) like you sort of have to do things yeah like the first couple of dungeons but I think you can do the wind and the earth temple in whichever order in reverse order yeah because you you just need you go get the iron boots and the power bracelets Right, and then you can go do whichever one you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's anything else required in those two. Which, while what most people discuss and what we immediately began discussing when talking about Wind Waker is the Great Sea, the meat of the gameplay takes place in these dungeons. Which I think right. that the Wind Waker dungeons are gorgeous. Yeah, they're well designed. <laughs> yeah, but notably. There's only, in my mind, this is the way I look at it, some right. people might take a different opinion, there's only two main dungeons. Like, you have the Forsaken Fortress, Dragon Roost, and the Forest Haven, Right. but those all kind of feel like your beginner dungeons, you know, like the Great Deku Tree, Dodongo's Cavern, and Jabu Jabu's Valley. Right. And then you get to, like, the meat and potatoes, and then it's only two dungeons, and then you move on Right. to, like, the collecting the Triforce shards. Mm -hmm. I feel like there should have been more to that part of the game, like the middle section. Right. Like, if they gave you, like, maybe, like, two more. Like, it just, it feels like it's lacking a little bit of content there for me. And that's, like, my biggest complaint with the game. I think they were desperately hoping that the way that they had set up the Great Sea prior to that was supposed to replace that lack of content. And I think... The fact that we can still feel like a little bit empty at the end of it and have this like you know lack of meat and potatoes there suggests that it didn't quite succeed. Game has a lot right. of appetizers, not a whole lot of uh, right. Yeah, not, not, not a lot of it's, not it's like short courses. on the main course. Yeah, <laughs> you're right in calling them it's like good. appetizers. Yeah, we you enjoy like the like sailing around, fighting all these random things, but well, it's not a replacement. As no much as I yeah. like, if there were like two more like main islands with dungeons. Right. I think the game would be like maybe not a lot better, but like noticeably better. See, I never really felt um that way about this game. I always and left you it do satisfied. Like it the most. Yeah. So But I think that comes from <laughs> like the kind of person I am that could just eat a meal of appetizers <laughs> and feel like satisfied. Right. Yeah. Uh I I think that like the exploration that I did in the game which took up 
Oh, pretty, pretty significant amount I say, of time. You both completed the C chart, and yeah. I've never done that playing through the game. <laughs> uh, yeah, I completed, yeah, I completed the C chart. Did all I, the like, yeah, side to posts. me, like, I feel like that would be like a legitimate supplement mm-hmm. if the exploration was more buried right. or fleshed out. Because like all the little like uh, spots in the ocean, the little glowy spots. Mm-hmm. Always have fifty rupees. Huge waste there. Yeah, oh, like God. if they had like a even like a spoils system, like a, like uh, Skyward Sword has, where you have like all the different items that you can use to upgrade your weapons and stuff. Yeah, yeah. something like that. I think could have been like a huge benefit just to change it up. Well, and they do have those like supplementary items that you use to, like, exchange for stuff oh, yeah. that they could have put there. Yeah, and they just, chose and they not just to, don't. Yeah. Like, you could find joy pendants or something. Right. Yeah. But, um... And then also, yeah, like, all the little, like, mini islands all just have, like, a little mini dungeon yeah. with, like, a heart piece or something. So, like, if there was more variation to that, I feel like that would have also helped the game a lot. Because, right. like, to me, it gets real samey about, like, halfway through the game, I'm like... Oh, an island. Fuck it. <laughs> I'm like, you know, right like I know it's there. Yeah, if it's not like a fairy island or something. Right. You know exactly what you're getting and how how good the reward will be. Yep. So I mean, if you ever need to like farm rupees for Tingle or whatever, right? You, you, know, you know where to go. That's a complaint mostly uh, of the entire franchise. Really, is that it always seems like rupees are so undervalued. It's like yeah. they the last... it's, it's it's a problem for the first like three hours of the game, and then after that you just always have way too much. Yep. Yep. I think the last actually two Zelda games, excluding Triforce Heroes, <laughs> um, that's going to be so, out when this game right. It's, <laughs> it already podcast. came out, didn't it? No, I think it's the, we're dating when we're recording this podcast. <laughs> it seems unnecessary. Well, whatever. When this is out, Triforce Heroes will be out. Skyward Sword and uh, Link Between Worlds both add a lot of value to rupees because there's actually stuff you want to buy. Right. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I agree. I would really just love rupees as an excuse to, to give more money to Beetle and make him right, yeah. say Thank things Thank you! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He is in both Skyward Sword and... With the Wind Waker, Waker, yeah. Beetle's a great character. Yes. Also, a soldier secretly once in this game. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's, there's exactly it's by the million places he's at simultaneously. One of those places he's just like disguised as like a Roman legionnaire for some reason. Oh right, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I think my favorite random NPC in the game, which I never found because I give up on exploring halfway through the game, <laughs> is like there was just a Goron on this one island who wears like a big old hat yeah. as a mask. It's just like dad pulled down over his face, has like a little slit for his eye. What is he just selling bombs or something? He's like a huge comical cartoon like bag on his back. Right. He's like a traitor. He, you yeah, to, like, he's just like the game. design is awesome. Is it notably <laughs> Goron's so cool. in the Wind Waker aesthetic would just look like adorable? Like, was well, it just like <laughs> Ocarina's Goron's who are already like kind of huge simplistic faces, like very cartoony looks? So. Yeah, because I didn't even know Goron's were in the Wind. Waker until JJ was playing it. There's only a couple on random islands. I just never came across any of them. Makes sense because the whole water aversion thing. I just assumed that they were extinct. Yeah. Yeah, There's one thing that Wind Waker does extremely well 
I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you go. Okay. Ahead. I just thought of something. Yeah, that Windbreaker does extremely well. That the series as a whole has always done well, and that is incorporating the same like general character through lines, but making them always look aesthetically appropriate for the game. Mm-hmm. Like even between Ocarina Majora, which had literally reused assets, right, and they only came like, out like a year and a half apart, right. Yeah. You still like. Like the difference in design of like just your regular enemies, like Chews, are like horrifyingly monstrous in Majora's Mask for some reason. I don't even know what they look like in Majora's Mask. They're the things in Terminal Field that are like big, clear, and you can see what's inside them. Uh, they have okay. like the yeah, heart. Chews do look really different in every game. Yeah, but like most of the enemies have like that, and like the way that they redesigned enemies to like, fit the, the aquatic theme of Wind Waker is so fucking good. <laughs> Fuck. Like yeah. likes? Like likes. They're not in this game. <laughs> I like the, just the, what are they called? The pigmen. They have a name. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, what are they? Snout sniffers? It's not, yeah. Because that's the only distinguishing feature that I saw them do. That's what we we'll call them now. Yeah, I like yeah. the way that they look in this game a lot. Yeah, they look super good. Um, and I, they're so comical. Like, whenever you hit them, they're like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> like, fall down. <laughs> it's hysterical every time. Like, the main feature is that they have, like, a huge, like, bottom lip that's even bigger than And their they have, like, a giant, jaw. like, a right. giant puffy chest and, like, a tiny little waist. Right. Yeah. March around yeah. with their spears <laughs> and they just flop, like, yeah, like lip pieces. Really, yeah, like, like, and stuff. like yeah. cartoon, like, goon enemies. Yeah. Well, I, and I like the, um, God, are they moblins or bakoblins? No, those are, like, the little, like, goblin people. Yeah, no, no, I'm saying the I'm talking about them now. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I thought you meant is that what they're right. called? No. Whichever one it is in this game, the ones that like walk around that have like the comically huge knives and right. they wear a vest and <laughs> just like stroll about. You're right, like, they have a vest. Yeah, they're, 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 they're pirating. Yeah, they're they're pirate moblins. <laughs> pirates have vests? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah, cartoon pirates, pirates have vests. Yeah, cartoon cartoon yeah. pirates have vests, JJ. <laughs> And then, yeah, and then they had the the pea hats are like blue, and they like fly through the water, yeah, instead of like just above the water, which is cool. Um, yeah, chews once again look different. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just <laughs> Wapafet, really. Yeah. yeah, they do look exactly like Wapafet. Well, honestly, they look more like the chews than Link to the Past, but I don't want to like. Oh, they actually they do look like the yeah. chews from Link to the Past. Oh, does that mean Wapafet looks like the chews from Link to from the Link to the Past? Well, I mean, Wapafet's based on like a like a punching bag, right? right. Yes. Yes, he is. So. Pokemon trivia. <laughs> Pokemon? This is like the third episode that we've referenced Pokemon at some point. That's unsurprising. Not really, no, yeah. yeah. Um, no, one thing, just something I want to bring up, just throw it in right here. Yeah? Uh, <gasps> I played through the game, and it was, what, my third time going through, and I just noticed, and I think this is awesome, that... Dragon Roost Island is just the top of Death Mountain. Oh, yeah. Did you guys realize that? Uh, I when realized it, it me, at the yes. moment that you yeah, told Yeah, because he's got the cloud going around the top, just yeah. like Death Mountain. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, they don't tell you. They just, like, let you figure it and like, make the connection yourself. On your third playthrough. Yeah, like, yeah. on my third playthrough, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. I wish the game had more of those connectivity moments. The the plot set up. There could be that we just don't know about. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the Great Deku is the most 
obvious one. Yeah, but, you can't you can't call that like a secret connection, which no, it's, not. it's a plot point. Yeah, there, yeah. there's the the sages, like they have the Kokiri sage and the Zora sage. Can the Kokiri and the Zoras don't exist? Right. In yep. The Wind Waker. Which is kind of unusual, given, like, the... The sea world? Yeah. yeah. But, whatever. Uh... <laughs> Bird people, instead. Yeah. Just... When the plot twist happened for the first time, because uh, somehow I managed to avoid... Switching to plot twist. Yeah. <laughs> Hard left turn. Twisting the plot. This is my favorite plot twist in any Zelda game. I think better than Zelda is chic. Way better than Zant. Is that, that a wasn't name? even a plot twist. Is that twist? even a plot twist? Is yeah. Xantis lame Zant- surprise? Zant- yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. We'll talk about that on another episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, best plot twist. I, I'd agree with that. I think, however, they didn't deliver on the promise of the plot twist set up. Like, you go down there for the first time, and you're like, oh man, you're in the, you're in Castle, you're in... Hyrule Castle? Yeah. yeah. In you're castle. in Castle. <laughs> <laughs> you're in a film director, I, I William love Castle. How it's an like, amazing journey. Yeah, it's like black and white, because like time's frozen and yeah. everything. Like, that's such a cool moment. And then they never let you do anything outside of the castle and like one prescribed route directly to, to the end game castle. dungeon. Right. Yeah, now... I didn't want to, See, personally. For but... me, like, I also wanted to, like, explore actual Hyrule. That's something totally understandable. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I understand why you can't. Right. But, like, that I think that is notable that, like, I feel like most people are going to want to once right. they see it. Why? Why can't you? Because, because they the, would have to render all of Hyrule. Yeah, that's like a whole other game. Cell shading. <laughs> I, I understand that it would be difficult. That's not. That's right. not. A Especially here. at the time. I mean, like they could if they made the game now, they could easily do that. It just from a narrative perspective, think of how much they lost by just only creating well, that one little path. It there. doesn't fit with the theme. Like, the theme of, like, at the end of the game is, like, you're leaving it behind and you're moving forward to the future. Like, I don't think they want, like, they, they, I think maybe even, like, the temptation to, like, explore it's supposed to be there, but, like, you're supposed to realize that, like, you can't. You it's like the will back. of the goddesses, like, you can't have it back. You <laughs> have to let it, you know, like, stay below the ocean. You have to look forward. Yeah. Think about how, like, poorly that would work from, like, a... Uh, storytelling standpoint. It's like you get too high rule and then you're sent on like they're like please you have to complete the tribe horse or else fucking everything is ruined forever. And then you're like, well I'm just gonna dick around for like an indefinite amount of time. In Hyrule. In Hyrule. <laughs> and then maybe go back later. But that suggests that all of the narrative timing would be the same and that you only have the opportunity to explore Hyrule after there's like this like immediate positive threat. And it's not like it doesn't but already like, exist at every moment in every other Zelda game when you right. do. You can fish in every Zelda what, game. <laughs> like, what, like, reason would there be? Like, because, like, I even... They could have just added, like, an area that right. you could explore. Sure. But, like, what would be the point? The point would be to set up what happened in the interim better than just the castle did. Like, all those, like, frozen uh, okay, time I moments guess. Where you have like all if, those guys. If, like, Kakariko Village was there and you could go to it. Yeah, and, like, like, time was frozen like, and happened. it was, like, burning to the ground or something. That's actually a great idea. <laughs> now that we're brainstorming this, uh, yeah, it would drive home, like, the point of, like, the disaster that happened. Yeah. If you wanted to even keep it as, like, a thing that you can't go back to, make every single zone destroyed. 
make it like virtually desolate so you still have the theme of like all of this stuff is gone no matter how much you want it to be back yeah i yeah i feel like if you limit it to like one or two areas like that would actually be pretty effective yeah i feel like the full extent of the conversation that happened when developing this is like do you want to like render all of hyrule again in cell shading and no. they're like, no, we don't want to do that. I'm just saying, like, if they just okay, added, check. If they just added like Kakariko that you could go to, right. and you could like see how like the flood destroyed everybody's like lives, as depressing as that might be. Yeah, right. uh, that sad, I, guess. That, I think that would be cool, though. It would give you more like motivation as a player to like save the world. I suppose. Yeah. Add tension and such. Yeah. Ganon, I I feel. It, that's honestly the classic Legend of Zelda like segue where you just go <sighs> Ganon, Ganon. <laughs> <laughs> that motherfucker. He that was another of the of the multitude of moments where I feel like the game had like a great setup for a fantastic idea and then dropped the wall like entirely like maybe not entirely they just left it undeveloped. The idea of they present Ganon in this game. Uh, not at the beginning, but like build mean, it up through the midpoint. You mean Ganondorf. I mean Ganondorf. Yeah. Okay. Thank yeah, you. they're two different things. Yeah. I know. I know. But they, they present that he like might not be like a horrible, shitty person anymore. Right. He has because his goal appears to be like just like to get Hyrule back. His very last speech before you fight him at the end oh, of the game yeah. is him just admitting that he sort of coveted the existence of, like, this whole grand palace. And then he's still just evil and wants to, like, rule the world anyway. No, I oh, actually yeah. really agree. Like, they had the chance to make him, like, a real, like, a more realistic, like, right. you can see where he's coming from kind of villain. And yeah. they're just like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> he's evil. Stab him in the head. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Because, yeah, like, as, like, the player, you could totally understand why he would want to bring Hyrule back. That doesn't seem evil at all. No, right. not even a little bit. <laughs> But he got the Triforce, and then immediately after right. admitting that he well, covered it, it was like, that kind I of, wish to own this. Right, that kind of fits with the theme of the Triforce. Because, like, in some of the older games, like, it's kind of, like, implied that, like, almost kind of like genie rules. Like, like if you, like, mess with the Triforce... <laughs> Hold on. Like, no, I totally know you, you know, saying, yeah, yeah, like, like it'll, like, mess with your head, like, if you don't have, like, pure intentions, and it'll, like, make you, like, golem out. Oh. Yeah. Or, really? Like, yeah. a thing? I yeah. Or, like, you'll wish for something, and, like, it'll, like, you know what I meant by genie rules. It'll yeah. be, like, what you wanted, but, like, with a twist. You know, like, it's actually, like... The, yeah, like the cruel fun. irony yeah. of the Triforce. Yeah. So... But they haven't really, like, expanded on that because the Triforce is supposed to be mysterious. Right. But, yeah. like, that actually makes sense that it would, like, corrupt him. It, but did it, did it corrupt, uh... Or was he just evil the whole time? <laughs> That's Who the knows? question, yeah. Uh, what's the, the actual name of the king? Uh, the guy who was also your boat? Oh, the, the king of Red Lions? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he the uses king it of explicitly. That's but he has problem. pure intentions. Sure. I guess I'm just. Have you seen that beard? It just screams yeah. pure intentions. <laughs> he basically looks like Santa Claus. I'm really unfamiliar with. So the it also has sorcerer stone rules <laughs> where you can only use it selflessly. <laughs> yeah. So it's got genie rules, sorcerer stone rules. Any other MacGuffins you want to tie into the Triforce as a thing? Oh. At least one more, right? The Triforce, well, the Triforce is the, like, is video games, like, golden MacGuffin. 
literally and figuratively, <laughs> because it is actually golden. Uh, but, I mean, I feel like Zelda as a franchise, like, lore has been, like, largely imposed on the game. Yep. Uh, and this was the first game actually, that admitted that there was lore to be imposed on it. it right. The first time it took a step back. Boop, boop, boop. But, um, I think in this game it works incredibly well. Like, the lore that they put in there. But mm. I think it's become a bad thing for the series. Right. Like, it's like, Skyward Sword just shoves it in there way too much. Like, I like that game probably more than the average person. Probably. But, like... Definitely. It does. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but it does, like, it, it tries to shove the lore into the story too much. Right. Wow. I mean, it did decide it was going to be, the, like, like, the prequel. Yeah, because, like, yeah. like, lore needs to, like... For lore to be effective, it needs to be secondary to the story. Right. Yeah, Z- Z- like Wind Waker's lore works well because of the setting of the game, where it's like because it's like the mystery of right. it being under those. It's kind of stuff that you just sort of slowly because it's like it's lost. Apart. Like yeah, you're like, right. oh, it used to be there, but now we don't know what happened to it. Right, but Zelda like, games... it's like the perfect setup for lore. <laughs> <laughs> but Zelda games have always been more about, in ter- especially in terms of like storytelling and character motivation, and as Save much as that exists, yeah. <laughs> Have been more about the moment to moment, and I think that Wind Waker does that really well because with a more expressive link, and I would say it like way more cutscenes in it than like uh, than Ocarina. Oh had. yeah, yeah. But like for obvious reasons, right? Because <laughs> they could. Yeah, <laughs> we have this like uh, the ability to like kind of look at your characters and be like, sort of you're watching things unfold and see how they react in that moment, but they, it never feels disconnected with how you're playing the game. And, uh, like, you were talking about how Ganon doesn't seem like such an evil character. And it's like, he doesn't seem that way at first, because the first time that you see him, he, like, just, like, slaps Has Link away. Has his turned to you. He right. over the shoulder right now. <laughs> like, he could have, like, there's a moment where he just, like, slaps Link away. Oh, yeah, he And, totally like, he could have just twisted his head off like a Coke bottle. Yeah. Like, if he wanted to, and just chose yeah, not to Yeah, like, imagine that you're Ganondorf, and, like, a 14-year-old boy just strolls in. A 14-year-old <laughs> boy who's explicitly not, like, the hero who's supposed to stop you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, how would he know? Isn't that wasn't that the whole point? Like in the beginning of the game, he was searching for like the, the like, Triforce, reincarnation yeah. of, of Zelda and Link. Found right. Zelda, never found Link. Right. I guess, but does he recognize him right off the bat? Who uh, recognize who? Link. No, no, because you're not a reincarnation of Link in this game. You aren't. No, that's very explicit. Another drop ball, I think, on the narrative front. You uh, you go through it, and they keep telling you explicitly, and like, no, he has no relation to the legendary hero. Huh, over and I don't over remember again. that. And then I don't the find end, that a drop ball at all. Well, it's dropped because at the end, you just get the Triforce piece anyway, and become right. Link's equivalent. Right. Like you never establish yourself as a different force; you just become an equivalent of Link. Well, I totally, like, missed or forgot about case that. Case and point. Like, I certainly didn't realize that on my first playthrough, but it was something that, like, in my years of like reading and playing they, this game, They explicitly about state it. that? Yeah, the King of Red Lions. Cause, but it, it's sort of semi-secretive, because he always says it when talking to, like, one of the arcane forces of the world, who rarely speak, like, the regular language. And oh, usually you're passed out like, on, in the back of the boat. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like a half-conversation where you'd be like, no, no, he has no relation. Huh. To the legendary hero. 
Mm. Do you think they mean literal relation, like bloodline? Well, probably, but that's well, what they're looking for anyway, right? Because no, they, they refer to Zelda think, as a literal relation. Because well, Zelda always is, because it's a royal lineage. Like, I don't think that the links are necessarily, like, bloodline related. I don't know either, but... Cause I I always assume that Link in Wind Waker is just a reincarnation of the spirit of the hero. But they don't say... It's not like that you get to a point at the end of the game where you get the Triforce of Courage and then the King of Red, Lion, Red Lions like says to you after that, Oh man, I was wrong. Uh, they don't, it doesn't have to be a well, bloodline I mean, relation. Do they have to say that? If they suggest that strongly that you're not related to the hero multiple times, yeah. Like, I, 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 I think, think that's going, more up to interpretation. It's too strong. You're going against what was stated too many times in the game for you to think it's I a mean, stronger assumption. The guys, he could have just been wrong. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of also a theme. <laughs> but if you're just, at that point, assuming He's all that... like, you guys have inherited my failures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was right about his motivation. He wasn't just factually wrong about stuff. <laughs> he could have been. Maybe he's an idiot. Maybe the King maybe of Red Lions Maybe that's why his kingdom's at the bottom of the ocean. Now. That's a good point. I mean, seriously? <laughs> bottom of the ocean guy? Didn't do a good job. Not yeah. very not very successful king. Yeah. Atlantis, yeah, Atlantis lost a city. In fact, Hyrule lost the whole kingdom. That's <laughs> pretty bad. His daughter is the literal human embodiment of wisdom. Well, Still wasn't enough. Yeah, but honestly, if you are correct, which you very well could be, I think that's more interesting. Why? That he's not, like... Link. Oh, no, no. I want that to be the case. My problem is not that he didn't start as Link. My problem is that in the end, they didn't do anything interesting that and just made him Link again. Well, yeah, here's the match. He he like, here's well, the Triforce of Courage. He did the whole, like, he did, he, like, purified the Master Sword Blade. True. Which is, like, I think he earned the Triforce of Courage. <laughs> I don't think he just became Link. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> He purified the Master Sword Blade on foot. That's got to be good enough. <laughs> yeah, I think he just earned the tri the Triforce of Courage. I. It would have been so much cooler if they had instead of like setting like old Ocarina of Time Link as this thing to aspire to that he eventually then becomes. To, in fitting with the theme of letting go of the past, right. make him something different and have to approach things differently than old Link did to, like, solve this catastrophic problem. But the whole, like, setup of Zelda is that the same thing happens over and over again. <laughs> then maybe... Which seems like more of an excuse yeah, everyone, than story. <laughs> Yeah, everyone's reincarnated. Yeah. Like, the spirit of the hero has to kill the Ganon. Or has to, has to seal Ganon back away. Demise. Demise. Completely off topic. Why in Skyward Sword did they like refuse to call Demise Ganon? Is that like a lore reason for that? I don't know. Because he's not Ganon. But he's reincarnated. Like in... He's reincarnated, yeah. I thought Ganon was the reincarnated form of Demise. He is. Yeah. So Demise is the original yeah, but sin. Why don't they just... Like, every other reincarnation is called Ganon. Yeah, he made, he took the name so he didn't seem as menacing as Demise. <laughs> I don't know. Ganon Dorf is pretty up there as far as menacing names. Well, because of the implication, if I just like, yeah, I'm, I'm Ganondorf, Ganondorf Johnson. Yeah, I would be here next to That's his last name. Ganondorf Johnson. Yeah, he's just the Ganondorf Johnson, just here to borrow a cup of sugar and the Triforce of Courage. <laughs> You don't have any spare Triforces of Courage. <laughs> <laughs> Slant around. 
No, I'm, I'm, I'm like, thanks. <laughs> I'm That's obviously right. in no position to speculate on the, like, story so, or lore of Skyward Sword. So you would have Sword, just, like, so. preferred that he just didn't get the Triforce at the end? Even though, he, even though he collected I don't, it. I don't know what specifically. I'm not making something that prescriptive. I'm merely making a criticism of what's there. I'm not trying to construct an alternative. Yeah, because yeah. they could have really done the game entirely the same way and just changed some lines of dialogue. Like, with, I mean, I wish they hadn't done the game entirely the same way considering the Ganondorf fight is identical to the Ganondorf fight from Ocarina, but... You know, if you win some, you lose some. Uh, Wait, in Wind Waker? Yeah, the... It's totally different. Well, like, the... You run around Ganondorf and Zelda shoots him with a light right, arrow, well, and then you hit him with a... You don't yeah. play tennis with him. No, yeah. <laughs> you don't play his shadow multiple times. Several yeah. times through the game. But, but at least that's, that's not him himself. Another great example sure. of a good build-up is... That I thought... I was being signaled for something, like, really new and awesome near the end of the game, because they were using all the Ganondorf tropes... In, like, these shadow figures that were leading up to you finding Ganon. So it was like, oh man, if they're doing this already, then something else is going to happen when I reach there. Uh, and then it was just a sword yep. fight and a really awful pre-final boss fight. <laughs> yeah, we disagree on that. Yeah. But, uh, I think Puppet Ganon's one of my favorite Zelda bosses ever. Easily the least favorite Zelda boss I've ever experienced and can't remember. Wow. That's yeah, true. yeah, that's why I asked you when we. Went yeah, 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 I didn't realize this was the. I, just, I told him like I just asked him what his opinion was. I just wanted to be like a I like it or I don't, and yeah. to save the rest of his opinions for later. Right, and he said that he liked it. So the uh, I don't know the before we get into that because like I could talk at length about why Puppet Ganon is good, and we probably will. Yes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I feel like if we're just to like kind of stop talking about like the story and get more into. How the game plays itself. Alright. Uh, I feel like Zelda is the type of series that, like, always wants to be like, hey, like, remember, like, hey, in the listen. last one? Hey, listen. Do you remember, like, in the last game? We're doing that again. Where some games can pull that off and you're like, oh, like, what a cool, like, throwback. Yeah. But then, it's like, but it's Zelda. the Zelda's, like, whole thing, so it gets kind of old. I mean, that's the reason that we had, didn't immediately talk about it, right? We didn't latch on to mechanical differences because there weren't, like, really, really interesting mechanical differences. I think that there's one, in, like, key mechanical difference that makes Wind Waker my favorite. What? Well, how about... I'll tell you. After the break. <laughs> okay. Let's say right now, and then come back and talk about some... Do we, is there a trivia question we want to ask? Uh... Uh... Alright, we're on break. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're going to be on break once the Steam controller turns back on. Oh, this episode brought to you by the Steam controller. <laughs> So, Chad. Yeah. Wait, are we back? Yeah, are we back? Holy shit, we're rolling. I'm going to talk about the thing that I said. What was that thing that you said? Well, specifically, you said that there wasn't a significant like mechanical difference between this and most Zelda games. And while I agree to a certain extent, I feel like the combat in The Wind Waker is the most fun combat in any 3D Zelda game. 
oh yeah, I remember you telling me of this opinion that you have, but never in any detail at all for this exact reason. Uh, yeah. Do explain. Yeah. Because as we know, in um, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, they all sort of... The, the major through line in 3D Zelda games is still there. Like, the way that the combat's set up, you press B to do a sword attack, you have your C buttons that... Or in the GameCube version, that X, Y, and Z buttons? I don't remember. I think yeah. so. Uh, that have, like, your excess items and stuff, but... Excess items, they're not needed. Uh, <laughs> and you hold the L to hold your shield up. Right. Um, and that's all the same, but... I feel like there's like a, a very smart simplicity of this game where once you target into onto an enemy, mm-hmm. you start entering that strafing mode. But everything all of your attacks feel so much more fluid. Like with Zelda with previous Zelda games, a lot of the combat was focused on like finding the weak spot on an enemy or like just waiting until they're vulnerable and then hitting them. Uh, in between that, or using an item to force that, or whatever, and that's all still present. Except, I feel like most of the time, you can really drive how the combat, like with like each encounter, works. Like, there are fewer enemies that just like will block your attack and like wait, and then like put their shield back, and then you attack them. When you have the ability to like roll behind them and like do jump attacks, like mid like combo mm-hmm. and then there's the really smart parry system that the game has where you have like a huge A button prompt <laughs> that comes up that's like oh look out and you hit it you do the roll behind and come up with the upward slash uh, it just feels so much more like natural and smooth than combat usually feels in a 3D Zelda game which is part of the reason why I was so disappointed with Skyward Sword and their new focus on always having to Avoid an enemy's block to make an attack. How is the combat in Twilight Princess worse? Oh, the only... Because I had to think about this because it's been so long since I played Twilight Princess. Especially with the GameCube controller. Right. Mm -hmm. It's been... uh, Oh, I don't think Since you probably greatly prefer the GameCube controller. I I don't think I've ever played the GameCube version of it. I'm pretty sure it's, like, just the same as the Wind Waker combat, but with more sword attacks at your disposal. Could you not use the GameCube controller in the Wii version of Twilight? No, because it was built from the ground up with with motion controls. They even, uh, (laughs) they flipped the map from the GameCube version because they made Link right-handed. I know. Yeah. It's a... I mean, the combat is very similar, and I do appreciate... Like, I, I just booted the game and played a little bit of it, because I didn't realize. The only thing that I and that I don't necessarily find worse uh, is that you have so many different, like, moves and stuff that I found that I just didn't use most of them. Like, I just ended up doing, like, right. basically what you do in the Wind Waker. But, oh, you mean, man. you have, like, the Helm Splitter... And right. the, the jump around the back attack. We're mm-hmm. going to get into the same argument again about how the presence of optional unused content... Well, no. I'm saying I don't think it's worse because of that. I just feel like I didn't use the additional attacks. It's not... Imp- the, all the additional attacks aren't implemented as well. Right. But yeah, the combat in Twilight Princess and the combat in Wind Waker are very similar. I just... Uh, think that Wind Waker's combat is cuter because of cute right. Link. <laughs> it is a little faster. <laughs> right. And um, 
it, it, it does feel a little smoother, I think. Did the Twilight Princess uh, combat system also have on-screen button prompts? Like, did an no. A button come on the screen? No. Like, that's all up to you. You have the option to do that roll around the back mm-hmm. at any time you want. Right. That, I think, is enough for me to actually break in favor of Twilight Princess, then. I, don't I think know. putting the I A button there the feels Twilight too much well. like uh, a quick time event. In well, I mean, it sort of is, but it's just one that has no penalty. It's, like, I know, it's just I signaling that you have an opportunity to do it. I don't know how it works in the GameCube version, but like to do the jump around attack, you would just be locked onto the enemy, you would jump twice, and then waggle the Wii remote. And you would just jump, <laughs> jump, roll, and hit them in the back. Yep. Yeah, that sounds terrible. <laughs> you just waggle, not a specific waggle. I don't you know don't have to. Waggle. You don't have to aim. You just kind of do this. You do this. Well, I don't like waggling anything, so uh, except your dick. Yeah, um, no, not even that. There's no waggling <laughs> in Chad's life. <laughs> I live in no waggle existence. Um, I don't. Well, okay. I'm not going to argue against the combat system in Twilight Princess because I've played the game once ever. Mm. Uh, and it was, what, ten years ago at this point? You start with that huge yeah. jump only playing a game once one when time, it came yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> but as compared to other 3D Zelda games that aren't the Twilight Princess game, the combat system in Wind Waker feels a lot smoother and more fun to make. Oh, yeah. And it was the one that introduced that system in the first place before horribly backwards regressing yeah. it. In I could see, <laughs> right, now I could see the argument for like the little bit more simplicity making it like more fun and intuitive. Mm-hmm. Well, it allows them to throw more enemies at you. Like the imp enemies that were oh, yeah. created I for this game. Those. The uh, horn creatures. They're so... They, the they ones that are like, meh, 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 meh. Yeah, I and hate They them. always oh, spawn man. when the camera is... It, they always spawn in the opposite place that the camera is looking. Mm-hmm. And so... But, like, what what it always ends up being is you just, like, you'll, like, readjust the camera, there'll be a horde of them, you do a spin attack, and they all go, whoa! <laughs> and explode into cool effects. And you're like, that was neat, and then you move along. Yeah, but then they keep coming. That's true. Well, I, I think they're there to force you through the area. Right. It's right. a pun! Because they, they, they do little devils, and they'll have horns, but they make horn noises all the time. Right, they go, meep, meep. I don't think that's what they were going <laughs> It might be, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, for all I know, that could be. Like, the Japanese language has a lot of, like, onomatopoeias built into it, so maybe that is a thing. I don't know. I was just confused about, the, like, little horny squirtiness of them. Oh, I guess I can do... <laughs> yeah, I was confused Really? You're, you're gonna just allow me to, like, <laughs> oh, just go right by <laughs> horny squirts? Like, that's... <laughs> I don't know... <laughs> What you expected when you said horny squirtiness. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, podcast. Podcast room. I failed you. Yeah. It's your toilet humor out of here, JJ. <laughs> this is a clean uh, show. It's a family show. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, uh, the moral heart of our podcast, Andy Kinnick. Yeah. But what I was going to say, yeah. uh, I like the, the sound design in the combat in Wind Waker. That's true. Like a little like, like huh. oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah. I don't uh, know the best sound of hogs, the pig man. Uh, <laughs> I mean, also in Twilight Princess and goddamn in Wind Waker, and I don't know if it's in Twilight Princess or not. Has that like awesome like the musical cues when you land hits. 
So, like, if you land, like, the first hit of a sword combat, it goes, whap, and yeah. then it hits, it's like, whap, whap. That is actually <laughs> what <laughs> I'm referring <laughs> to, and not to, oh, noises. <laughs> That's the best sound effect yeah. in the game. That was really, like, really Thank satisfying. Thank you. That's, uh, it's one of those, or, too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, just like go in and replace a pitch corrected version of Beatles thank you into every sword strike <laughs> somebody please do that um, I, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. remember if that's in Twilight Princess like, I feel like it's not it would or seem a little is, bit more out of place I think if it is it's like a way more subtle right. version yep but yeah, no, that's amazing. That makes you feel so good. It is satisfying. When you land like a full combo and you get that at the end. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ooh. And then like the sound of like their weapon hitting the ground. Yeah. Like the world of That's a random feature, by the way. That's a great feature, too. Well, the ability to take use the enemy, enemy weapons. weapons. Why? Why? It's just Ooh. neat. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I, I mean, it's, like I said, it's, it can't make it worse. Guess, it's, why is it there? I bet well, one of necessary. the developers just said, you know, like, <laughs> an enemy, like, you, you defeat them, like, their weapon would still be there. Right. So how about, like, we, like, have Link pick it up and use it? And then everyone else was like, but their bodies just explode. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like uh, it seems, to explain it why, like, seems like an idea that, like, somebody just came up with and they were like oh my god right <laughs> like yes. it's a necessary put that in the game it's a necessary mechanic in uh the fortress level because you are you, lose you don't have the sword, the sword. Yep. so you have to go through and pick up other weapons to use them and i think the fact that you can just that, do actually. that through the whole game is just like we don't have a justification for not being able to do it Plus, it gives you a really cool ranged attack because you can just hurt you just whip yeah. weapons. He throws it really far, which is also insanely <laughs> satisfying to do. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm just forgetting this wrong. I have no You're memory. No, he's forgetting it so right. <laughs> <laughs> it's his specialty. God damn it! You speak, I swear. <laughs> I don't remember. Ever using an enemy weapon, even in the fortress level, I thought, I thought you I don't snuck. have to. Yeah, you yeah, don't you, have you to. can just sneak through, right? Yeah. I just snuck through it. No, well, when the well, no, because you actually have to kill the uh, the searchlight goblins. But yeah. there's a there's pot like a of pot clubs of, yeah, of swords <laughs> yeah. whatever. So you pick up the pot of clubs and you can use that. <laughs> the to, pot of clubs. The pot of clubs. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's the card I have up my sleeve. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the pot of clubs. What were we talking about? Uh, you can pick up the the pot of clubs, yeah, yeah, and you can like smash the guy with it. But then you can just grab one of those weapons and just stroll with it for a while. Mm-hmm. So it does allow you to actually like kill some of the enemies in the fortress if you choose to, uh, like a cold blooded murder, right? Yeah, I, th- I think there because you can't take enemy weapons through doors. Nope. So like you can't like. It's still like a prescribed mechanic for each area, right? So they like warrant you being able to do it. But I tried really hard to take, like, the swords that the armored guys have with oh, you. Oh, the huge dark yeah. swords? Yeah. 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 yeah, I'm sad. Also, is yeah. there any other game, probably Twilight Princess, based on previous <laughs> experience with this conversation, yeah. where you can remove the dark nuts helmets? Yeah. Is yeah, it in Twilight Princess? Princess. Are can, they dogs? You can, no. Okay. Like it's so cool that they're like huge Dobermans. It is cool. But uh, yeah, it's the same, it works the same way as you like defeat them. You do a front flip over off. them. And Why is Doberman the go-to evil dog? 
Because they just look menacing. Yeah, they're like physically intimidating, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just not physically intimidated by dogs. Uh, I mean, well, one could probably <laughs> murder you. Yeah, I say, this is the last <laughs> podcast that gets recorded before JJ is murdered by a dog he wasn't afraid of. <laughs> uh, not even like Rottweilers. Rottweilers scare the crap out of me. Yeah, they're pretty terrifying. They're huge. Then why aren't they up for I don't know. Dogcast podcast. Dogcast. <laughs> um, Naughty dog. Nest. <laughs> um, but um, yeah. So Weapons. I don't know how you guys feel about the combat in Wind Waker, but I find it incredibly satisfying. It's literally just the music. Everything else, I, <laughs> everything else sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I really, it's everything else. I could just take it or leave it. It just seems normal. I I, I like the additional commands as they exist in Twilight Princess because they don't have the on-screen button prompts so you feel more like it's a thing that you're manipulating to your favor and less like just a but you can just do it whenever like in, in in Wind Waker it's a parry in Twilight Princess it's a strategy yeah like that's obviously more. more appealing to JJ. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like the idea of just, like, <laughs> if you, like, hold your own in combat, it gives you the ability to make the fight easier. But right? they misuse it at the end, right? Because in the Ganondorf fight, that's just all... That is the fight. Is you don't wait die for the parry. and press A. Well, I already said I don't like the Ganondorf. Well, I mean, it's fine. I, it's pretty fine. much, <laughs> with the exception of Ocarina of Time, I think every, like, Ganondorf fight has been disappointing. Yeah. It's, uh... Usually not very original. Yeah, usually they're always like, it's just a sword fight. Right. You versus Ganondorf. They've never gotten beyond he is invulnerable until X point in time. It's a lot like the uh, criticisms of Kingdom Hearts bosses that I was talking to you about last night. Right. Um, they, they keep trying to like make your one-on-one fight intimidating and imposing by giving the boss like essentially like near constant invulnerability to all the things you can do unless you take advantage of these like one brief moments. But because the brief moments are so prescribed and never feels like you're doing it, you're just essentially following like a, a writer's script as you're going through the game and it I think takes a lot of the fun out of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's I don't know. I mean, there's time and a place for a boss like that, mm-hmm. but it should not <laughs> be the be final. final boss. It's like usually they have good build up too. Yeah. And then it's just like <laughs> just yeah, a flat like, drop. Flat drop. Yeah, and I always liked in um, in Ocarina that like you have to escape the, the crumbling castle, castle yeah. and then that's awesome. go out back. That's so in sixty four. Yeah, yeah, and, like, and I love it. <laughs> Before like we get into what is probably going to be a lengthy and annoying discussion on uh, <laughs> on Puppet Ganon. Uh, <laughs> yep. I feel like the the boss fights in this game generally. I don't know. I have no idea how you guys feel. So that I'm treading into some unknown water here. Mm-hmm. I think the boss fights in this game are pretty much the best ever. The best boss fights ever in, in like the Zelda which, games. Which ones? And it is purely because of how good they all look. Like, because every Zelda like game has like sort of the same structure, and the boss fights all follow that like. Use a thing that you just learned to do yeah, to beat the boss. Also does that. It does the same thing, but aesthetically, I think that all of these bosses look so good. Because, like, I don't know why, but this cartoony style makes these like huge monsters look fucking impeccable. Yeah. See, I actually think of all the 3D Zelda games, this one has the most forgettable bosses, dude. Because, like, as like I had just replayed this game, right? Not that long ago, I remember watching JJ play through it, and he's like. 
in the Earth Temple, and I'm like, I cannot remember what the boss is for this. And then, like, he got to the Wind Temple, and I'm like, I can't remember what the boss is. <laughs> and, like, that's really unusual for me to, right. like, not remember. You have to remember, like, the moment in the plant boss where you cut the the Yeah, the I remember that down, one, yeah. And it hits, unfolds, and then the fucking whole arena just lights up blue. Like all this. Like when the, yeah, like it comes out and the spores shoot up. No, they do look great. And the music changes. I remember I think it that looks now so that you good. just said it. But well, I'm not expecting me, you to. Yeah. <laughs> me forgetting a thing doesn't is not evidence that it is a forgettable thing. Right. Uh, and like bra- like cracking the shell on the first, or on the Dragon Roost Island boss. That's the only one I actually remember outside of like main I see, yeah, I definitely remember that. Because you use uh, the dragon's tail. Yeah, you right, yank yeah. on them. Yeah, Very they're... cartoony and mm-hmm. fun. What are the other ones? Um, Forsaken Fortress, you fight the bird. Right. Bird was cool. Bird was cool. Not as much of, like, a big thing as it was, like, implied to be. Right. Like, it seemed as though it was really just, like, a bird doing this for kicks. Does the Tower of the Gods <laughs> have a boss fight? The, what, uh, what is the Tower of the Gods? The dungeon you do before you go down to the bottom of the ocean. Oh. See, like, I don't remember. <laughs> like, you know, like, I find that to be the case with, like, all the bosses. I, I mean, to be fair, I haven't played this game in a while. Right. Listeners like, psychically screaming at us, please continue yeah. to do so. Yeah. But yeah, I find them, to, like, in general, to be kind of forgettable compared to other Zelda games. I don't know. The, I only remember two Ocarina bosses, so... I could probably name you every yeah. single Ocarina boss. Uh, Majora is the easiest one for me, but that's because Majora not only four. do you fight them multiple times... They also, like, there are only four of them, so that's yeah. real easy. Wind Waker's got six or seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. One of my favorite really Zelda good. bosses of all time is Puppet Ganon. Is Puppet Ganon. And all right. JJ does not like it. So and I think it's pretty good. Who's going to make the opening statement, and who's going to rip the other's opening statement? You make the opening statement. All right. Because my, I have, like, a counter-argument. <laughs> Alright, so the Puppet Ganon boss uh, has three forms. Uh, the first form uh, is incredibly cheap and tries to be smart by just removing a mechanic that is like. It is present in all Zelda boss interactions, including in that fight, before the, and after it. For the Hold benefit on. of the listeners mind. and myself, I. What is the first form of. Let him, let him finish him. his. Uh, I will statement. feed you my sweet baby bird. Alright. It's... The first form is it's literally a puppet. It's like a weird pig yeah, thing yeah. with like a bunch of balls. Cool visual design. Puppet boss, awesome also a cool design. idea. Uh, you can... While the boss is coming at you being all menacing and sort of evil, uh, you can lock on with the boomerang as you can't as you expect you could. And like you can cut all the strings and you cut them all at the same time and it begins to drag around real menacing like. Uh, and after you, you know cut them all, but can't really do much of anything anymore. What you're supposed to do uh, is shoot the tail, which is like this blue ball uh, that's like larger and like noticeably discolored from the rest of the boss uh, with light arrow, which is the item you get exactly before, as you would expect in a Zelda game. But you can't lock onto the tail. And it's the only thing in the whole game that you have to shoot to progress that you can't lock onto. So that's stupid. Second form uh, is the... I think it's a scorpion, right? That's the spider. It's a spider. spider. Uh, which 
is pulled up onto the ceiling and drops down on you. Uh, and you you know, to... like spiders do. Yeah, they're... they just like smash their prey <laughs> into the ground. <laughs> they're huge feet. Yeah. If they if spiders were part pig, that's, that's what they would do. do. Yeah. And you've got to beat this one by hitting the tail more, and you can only hit the tail side by being in a position uh, where the spider falls on you, because the legs trap you in like different compartmentalized areas of the arena. So you have to be in the right place at the right time. Uh, and after I, I managed to beat that whole section without actually realizing the thing I was supposed to do, which is like looking at like water on the floor so you can see where the spider is on the ceiling. Right. Uh, so I was capable of just beating the boss without using the whole like mechanic trick that the fight was designed around just by essentially rolling into outer areas not being hit by anything. So I think designing a boss in which you can functionally beat it without doing the thing the boss was designed to be, to be beaten with, specifically in a Zelda game, is a failure on their part. Uh, and then the, fir- the third form... The third form. The s- it is also vaguely turdish, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like the snake that crawls around on the ground at super high speed uh, and runs to get you. As far as I'm aware, and I, I, this might also just be a memory forgetting, there isn't even a trick to that fight. There is. It just moves real fast, is super hard to hit, and you have to like block it constantly. And I just randomly swung in different directions while it came at me, and eventually won by just doing random movements. It's the only time in any Zelda game I've played a fight where I beat the whole thing and never felt smart once. Because huh. I had to be told how to beat the first part because I tried everything. Like, every combination of items on everything I could lock on to. I even interacted with, the, like, the blue tail part you're supposed to hit with the light arrow, but I didn't like every other possible way. I tried to, like, equip the iron boots so I could grab a hold of it and swing it around like you can in... in Mario 64. <laughs> and, <laughs> and in one boss uh, in Majora's Mask. In the, like the last pre-boss, they're like these flying snake things that you turn big and you're like, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that does happen, I guess. So I tried to do that by equipping the iron boots and had a little strength gauntlet so I could throw it. Couldn't do anything. Hammered it, nothing. Sorted it, nothing. I just never used the specific right kind of light arrow on the thing that I couldn't lock on to, and so I didn't progress until he told me. Literally, what, like forty minutes into me? No, just... <laughs> forty minutes. How long was I stuck? It there? was maybe like. 20 max. Sure. I'll grant that. 20 minutes of starting on the first form of this boss fight without being able to do anything to interact with it or having any, like, and lacking the most significant hint you can possibly have in a Zelda fight. I didn't even know it was a thing you could interact with. I was just guessing, and my guesses were wrong every single time. Alright, so counter-argument time. Counter-argument time. Yeah. This boss, I think... I'll make my opening statement here. Gotta sort out my thoughts. <clears throat> this, I think more Zelda bosses should be designed like this. Because this boss plays out kind of like if you didn't know anything about Zelda and you like had it explained to you, like how you would think a Zelda boss would play out because it's like a puzzle. Like, I would make the argument that most Zelda bosses are too intuitive because like most Zelda bosses are really easy. Yeah. Like, you go in, you know immediately like what to do how to execute it and it's never hard that's like at least like 85% of Zelda bosses right. and the other 15% is waiting <laughs> yeah and this boss you roll in and you already have like the hint of like you've had to fight a boss where you have to cut it off the ceiling so you know like okay like I'll try to cut Puppet Ganon down the strings are like bright blue yeah 
totally stand out. Right. Only other thing that is bright blue is the ball on the end of his tail. So you figure, you're supposed to think, your thought process here, I can cut the strings, can, those are interactable, the tail must also be. That's why you're supposed to focus on it. You just got the light arrow, so you're supposed to be like, okay, I've played a Zelda game before, I'll shoot it with a light arrow. But using the light arrows does nothing to the strings. You can't lock onto the tail like you can lock onto the strings. Right. And using the boomerang does nothing to the tail. You can't lock onto the strings that they target it with the boomerang. Yeah, the boomerang you can't has different on, mechanics yeah. than other things. You can't lock onto the strings either. Yeah. It's just like it puts so the like you on you them. have to use your brain to put the pieces together. You have to like think you it feels the most like I've like collected this arsenal of weapons and now like it's like a test of like how can you use your arsenal to beat the boss. And that arsenal is the weapon you just got and the boomerang and I know you don't need to use a specific weapon on the second form, but you told me there's a secret good way to do the third form? Yes. Yeah. So, I don't think the first form's that hard to figure out. Right. I honestly that. don't. I did not remember that you couldn't lock on. That is. To the that tail. does seem weird. Right. But I don't think it's bad. I don't necessarily think it is. Considering I don't think that's a problem with it. When it's I was throwing us like fourteen. It's throwing you like a similar problem in a different way, right. which I think is something that like. Zelda games should do more of instead of just feeding you stuff where you have the same thought process. Right. But anyway. And then the second part is like a classic Zelda thing. Like, I don't know how you didn't figure out, like, look at the water to see the boss on the ceiling. But whatever. I didn't have to. That was the point. True. But, like, there's plenty of bosses where you don't have to do the specific thing that you, like, are supposed to do to beat it. And what? not just in Zelda games. Yeah, like... In games in general, there are lots of there's bosses There's always, like, e- there's, like, exists. always sure, in games in general. But in, in Zelda games specifically, even in this game... Like... We have to say 3D Zelda like, games when he's hit, because, like, sure. it, it looks like you just walk in yeah, like, the sword. 75% of the floor is covered in water in right. this fight. Like, it seems you, difficult that you wouldn't you be You ran able to around the perimeter and never walked onto the water. Because he reason. fell into the center. That's where his body was. That was a dangerous location to be. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's, you know, it's, that's like, I think that's pretty intuitive that you, like, would walk over the water to see his reflection. My argument isn't even that that's particularly hard. My argument is that it's not necessary and but, thus uninteresting. But it's. It's not necessary if you want to solve the boss, beat the boss, by pure dumb luck alone. And I was able to do that in a completely timely manner. I would probably have not considered whatever you just said was timely as timely. I probably would have been sitting here pulling my hair out. He, you, to beat the whole boss, you probably took like 45 minutes. So that's not very timely. Right. I, I don't believe that I spent more time on Forms 2 and 3 combined than Form 1, because we already established you that spent, I spent 20 minutes you on Form spent 1. not that much time on Form 2, but also a lot of time on Form 3. Yes. But, okay, so... I would argue that the second part is actually the easiest form, and is pretty intuitive, and pretty standards out of us fair. Yeah. And then the third form, I think, is the most like difficult to figure out. But the way it works is you the boss the way you're supposed to approach this is I think what they're going for is like 
you're supposed to have like this oh shit moment like it's going so fast like I don't know what to do sure right. and like what you're supposed to do is like stand back and observe it and notice that it bashes into the walls right and then like if you come near it it like focuses on you and then just charges right at you yeah so what you're supposed to do is notice that's its pattern and then when it after it's bashing into the walls and turns to you you put a bomb down it comes across, hits the bomb, and is stunned. You run around and hit the tail. Ah, okay. So that's that's the method of starting the creature. Also, there's like a weird little exploit that they put in. Is like, I guess, like an Easter egg. Not like an exploit, but like a little, I guess, Easter egg is the best way to put it. Yeah. You can use the bait from your bait bag. It'll come <laughs> over to it, and it'll just circle the bait. <laughs> that's really cute. Yeah. And I'm glad that they include that. So thing. the whole boss, I think, is completely legitimately like feasible to figure out right it plays out more like a puzzle and it's like it throws you a curveball it does and i like that can you lock onto the tail on that boss or in that no you can never lock onto the tail okay yeah Uh, which does seem like a weird choice but i don't think it's a bad one right well yeah it's certainly not necessary in the second part because whenever it's vulnerable you're in like a three foot by seven foot like area uh with it but, I don't know. Honestly, I don't even remember using bombs on the third form. Because it's I been never, so long, yeah, I don't remember You, you can just kind of, like, snipe its tail, like, and just try and get lucky. Right. Which is what I had to do. But, I mean, can't you just, like, when it comes at you, roll to the side, wait for the tail to take a swing? No, it moves too fast. Also, the sword doesn't hurt the tail. You had to shoot it with a light arrow. Uh, uh, and in that case, I'm almost 100% positive that I didn't use a bomb and just shot off the arrows. Because yeah. I just, like... Shooting yeah. things with arrows. That's probably also why I didn't have a problem with the first part, because I spent most of the game not locking on to stuff. I also think Splatoon really helped me uh, to be able to actually aim, because I played the HD re-release, so it was the, you can choose if you wish to use motion controls for all the radical aiming, so. This is, I know I've brought up before, is weirdly the one game series where I feel like motion controls helps immensely. In Splatoon? Is it, no, in, uh, in Zelda. Because oh. I, I played the uh, Ocarina remake on the, uh, uh, 3DS. the 3DS, and it was like... Oh, the turning for the yeah, camera? Yeah, you, you use the gyroscope in it to, to like fine-tune your aiming or whatever, and I remember struggling with that stupid uh, heart-piece minigame where you have to use the bow and shoot like all the targets, yeah. and like once I was like got used to the gyroscope controls, it was just like one shot, like one, next, next. And knocked all, like, every aiming game out. I don't know why Zelda fits so well with gyroscope aiming. Just don't use it for swords, ever. Yeah, no motion. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Do not use it with swords. That's terrible. <laughs> A lesson from me. Now, I played the game with the pro controller, so I didn't use the, the motion, the gyroscope aiming. Right? Okay. So I can't comment on that. If Puppet Ganon's decisions and all these designed things, instead of being errors, were like, Conscious choices of things that they believe would like oh, yeah, lead they, to a better they absolutely boss. Absolutely, are that. Why are, no way it's an accident. Why is literally none of them implemented in the actual final boss fight of the game? There's no lesson from Puppet Gan that's applied to Ganondorf himself. I think it, it's not supposed to be build part... up. It's supposed to be like the test at the end that you apply all your skills to. So then they built in consciously. They consciously made the choice that the Ganondorf fight would be disappointing. Come by comparison. I don't believe that. It's it's just a different goal. It's supposed to like focus more on the sword fighting. I was viewing the Ganon as... boss was supposed to be more of like the item. But the sword show. fighting is irrelevant. The Ganondorf fight. Yeah. All that matters is you hit A at the right time. 
Right. Well, I hate that fight, so... Yeah! That's <laughs> I, don't, I don't hate the fight, I just think it's basically standard. If they had created, like, this pre-final boss fight with Puppet Ganon, right. where they were trying to apply all these new lessons and things that they thought could, like, demonstrably improve boss fights to the series that had previously been lacking... And no, I don't think that was their goal. I think that's just what I view it as. Sure. If you think that was their goal, and if they saved it to the end because they wanted, for example, to they understood to increase the difficulty and they wanted to push it back a little bit, then why was the final Ganon fight so bad by comparison? They ignored like every lesson that they you think that is good about that fight, and they made the final Ganon fight just like a complete drudgery through everything you'd expect from a Zelda game. Well, I, I think why. I don't think they have to both try to accomplish the same thing. I just think they both had very different goals. Yeah, I don't know why you wanted the Ganon, the puppet Ganon fight, to transition into the regular Ganon fight as if it was like the same boss. No, no, no that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that they would apply the same lessons to the two fights. They'd make the Ganon fight that came after it equally sort of creative and non-obvious in its solutions, the things you had to do to go forward with it. Oh, well, that's just Zelda shittery. Being like, oh, we're gonna put a Ganon fight in that's just like every other Ganon fight, and then you just sit and do it, and then you watch it. Yeah, the like, they, for some reason, they always just have, like, a different goal with the final Ganondorf fight that's, like, never in line with, like, the rest of the game. But what right. is the goal of all these final Ganon fights? I don't know. Yeah, That's actually, like, a great topic of discussion. Yeah, because it's... <laughs> It, like, literally, except for Ocarina of Time, the Ganondorf fight's always disappointing. But the Ganondorf fight is usually just a rehash of the Ocarina of Time. Yeah, anyway. That's yeah. why it's disappointing. It's like, why Because, like, in Twilight Princess is a great example. Because, uh, like, the lead-in is awesome. Like, you do the, the possessed Zelda, which is a great idea. Yep. Then you do, like, the huge beast Ganon fight as the wolf. With a musical shift. Yeah, which is awesome. Except for the part where you have to play as the wolf. I hate you, Chad. That's a topic for another video, which is awesome. And then they're like, oh, now you gotta ride a horse. Sorry. Uh, and then you're <laughs> Sorry like, about that. but then you're like, okay, I did that. And like, you're like, now I get to fight Ganondorf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, now I get to fight Ganondorf. It's just a sword fight, it's not hard. It's right. not, like, thematically cool. It's not anything. It's just a sword fight, and it's disappointing. Yeah. Like, that's the way it always is. Mm -hmm. Like, the fight before the final fight is usually, like, what I think of as the final boss. Like, in my mind, Puppet Ganon is the final boss. Of yeah, it's just, like, the credits sequence that yeah. you go through. You're like, I have to fight Ganon. Now. And it shouldn't be that way. Right. But that's just the way it, it usually is. Yeah. As someone who loves Zelda games... It's a game series that is based upon the idea that the game is more about the journey than the destination. Like, yeah. literally from the first game, it's more about actually getting, like, like what you do to get to where you go. And Wind Waker does an amazing job of doing, in, like, that. doing that, especially <laughs> in their dungeon design. And, like, the final bosses, to me, have always been more of a spectacle than they are, like, a real challenge. Mm-hmm. Like, I think... Because, yeah, the, the way the final fight looks, you're on top of the tower with all the water pouring in, is super cool. Yeah. Looks really good. It, you're correct. It looks great. But I don't even find the Ganon fights in general interesting from a spectacle perspective. Like, I don't... Ganondorf or Ganon? The themselves 
damn it. Ganondorf, the man. The man and not okay. the beast in yes. all of the Ganondorf fights. I I guess I'm having a hard time phrasing this now, because it's a very good point that all of the things that generally we dislike about the Ganondorf fights are generally things that are normally included in games to up their spectacle. It's the, the whole point of uh, like the new wave reaction commands afterwards, because there was an excuse to do like really, really beautiful things. Yeah, the crazy animations and stuff. Yeah. But... Like, the animations that you go through in that fight, with the exception of, like, the very ending, when you stab him in the head, which is glorious, awesome, yeah. uh, aren't that impressive. The fight itself isn't that impressive. It just spins a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's just supposed to be, like, a mano-a-mano sword fight. Right. The background is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. really sweet. I, just, I, I don't think it is also, any yeah. of the mainline Zelda fights should be, like, an actual test. I... I can understand this might be a bit of a skeptical statement because it's sort of a it's an odd statement, but yeah, I'm I'm not playing any Zelda game uh, for the same reason that I would play like Dark Souls. It is I do not treat any of these games as like an active test of me, and I'm not looking to be tested when I play a Zelda game, and that's just my honest opinion. Well, I mean, when you look at I'd say that's the different a different opinion than most people have. Well, because it's like a puzzle adventure game. But you, as you just admitted, like the vast majority of the time, the puzzles aren't hard. No, they're to be saying the bosses. I think that's a problem. No, not, yeah, not the puzzles. I think the bosses. Yeah, the bosses. Because like, given like as much pomp that the Zelda franchise has, it is one of the last like true video game ass video games that like really does just, like, set you out, like, here's the context for your adventure, go do this stuff. You are, like, an un- unabashed, like, hero with no moral problems whatsoever. <laughs> like, just rolls in with a desire to, to do good and does good. And, like, the bosses are just, like, kind of expected. It's Like, like it's they're, the like, last... icing on the cake. Right. And, like, if you ask anyone what, like, the hardest or most memorable part of any Zelda game is, they're probably not going to give you a boss, unless they think that boss was bullshit. But what will they give you? They'll be, like, like a a popular one, uh, this is probably not my wheelhouse, to give you a popular example of something people claim is, like, the hardest part of a Zelda game. (laughs) But people often talk about, like, oh, like, the Fire Temple in Ocarina of Time was really memorable, because, like... It has this cool like look to it, and the puzzles were yeah, difficult yeah, to solve. And the Muslim chant, and the Muslim chant thing, which is entirely separate. Or like, like the most memorable part of like Majora's the... Mask is probably failing, like having the moon hit Clock Town and stuff like the, that. Uh, it's the not like Phantom a boss Ganon fight. fight is a memorable boss fight. The Phantom Ganon if, fight, the Forest Temple in Ocarina. Oh yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. I love that I didn't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> I totally agree. I, I love, uh, there's so like, it's a lot of like dungeons and like moments like that that yeah. are memorable in Zelda. And that like falls like, in line Yetta with the and journey. Yetta from uh, Twilight Princess. Right. Super awesome. Yeah, and that falls in line with the whole journey versus the destination mm-hmm. thing. I, I feel like most of the time what people are going to talk about when they talk about a Zelda game is the experience of playing the game and not like overcoming a particularly difficult boss fight. Unless it's Georg, because he's total bullshit. (laughs) 
But even saying overcoming, at least in the context of the puppet Ganon fight, is I think a bit misleading. Because I wasn't, like, being... It wasn't difficult in the sense that I was being, like, harried by some force. That I was just barely, like, staying alive and opposing, and it was overcoming me again and again, and I was losing. The problem was that the puppet began fight often presented little to no threat to me, and I had trouble figuring something out. So it was virtually indistinguishable from, like, me encountering some kind of puzzle wall that would exist in the other game, and that's detrimental to the boss, because then the boss doesn't feel imposing. It feels just like a feature of the room that I had to learn something about. It's no longer a thing that, like, is Man, attacking me. I disagree with that <laughs> completely. I, I like that the boss plays out more like a puzzle. I think that's fitting of the of Zelda itself. Right. And I like the Puppet Ganon is really like creepy and scary. Oh the aesthetic's fine. Yeah, like and I mean like he's plenty threatening. I mean like he can like easily kill you in the third form. I'm just Particularly totally... if you go through the game with like minimum number of heart containers. Like if you actively search everything out, like there's not a difficult Zelda game. Like, right, yeah. if you're the kind of person who actively searches out heart pieces and, God forbid, gets uh, the fierce deity mask in Majora, like... I did. Yeah, it's fucking... Yeah, it makes the Majora fight not a fight. Zelda games are not generally It's not about really the hard. fight, yeah. Yeah, it's about, like, the, the puzzle. It's about solving hard. the puzzle, yeah. yeah. And that's why I think I like that boss so much, because it's solving a puzzle. Right. Or blindly rolling into corners, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I've literally never known anyone to do that until just now. So, I've said my piece on this. I don't. I don't think there's anything more that I want to add. So, right. I'll let the listeners decide. You send us an email at uh, nuclearpodcast at gmail dot com. If you agree with <laughs> me, like, I, I will like send it. you an email. I like good it job. for the same reasons. I like the castle temple in Twilight Princess. Like, I don't know if you remember watching Janelle play through that. I do. It presents you similar puzzles that you've seen on the whole journey, but, like, in a different way, which trips you up. And I think that's something that should be present in Zelda more often. Because, like, there's, like, simple puzzles there, but they're hard for you to figure out because, like, it's a different mindset. Right. I also feel like the Wind Waker's aesthetic quality gives it sort of a disadvantage at trying to give you, like, a like a, a more freeform use of your items mm-hmm. to solve puzzles because it's like, oh, if I'm going to use the claw shot or the, the hook, hook shot, but no, the, shot the grappling foot. hook. Oh, the grappling yeah. hook. Yeah, if I'm going to use the grappling hook, it's going to be a thing that has like a bar with smooth wood in the middle yeah. of it because that's just how that was designed and you would be, it's weird in the environment to just be able to like latch onto something. Mm. So it never really works out that way. But that's why they always include, you know, strong signals like that because they can't make everything interactable with all of their items. You know, things like being able to lock on to particular sections of right. creatures so you can narrow down. You don't have to like try and like, cl- you know, claw shot individual pieces of armor. But I mean, you can something. you can lock on to any enemy and it doesn't indicate what item to use or on. where to hit them. Right. It, it totally, by definition, it indicates where to hit them. Yeah, in the enemy. Yeah, it's usually, it's usually with most enemies and even bosses, when you lock onto them, it doesn't like lock specifically onto the hand where you're supposed to hit them. It's just on the boss itself. Right. That's not true. No, it'll lock on straight into like any. If there's an eye, it's always, straight on the eye. It's, it's just if, always central to the enemy. Uh, 
You're talking about bosses where it does lock on to a parts some type, of the huge a part, thing. Yeah. But not, like, not but all on like a regular end, like a Dark Knight has a particular way that you're supposed to fight him. And like, it's easier to beat a, a bubble with, uh, with the hook shot than it is to try and hit it with your sword. And the, the being able to lock on doesn't indicate how you're supposed to beat it. That's all I'm trying to say. Okay. Like, I mean, you can lock on to, what was the other, Voldar. I'm so at a loss. I have no idea. You keep trying to the, reference the proper noun yeah. to the Zelda game. The, 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 the lava worm boss. The, oh, the Goma? Dragon. Goma, yeah, that's it. I just made up words. That wasn't an educated guess at all. Uh, like, it locks onto his eye, which, yes, you do have to hit, but, like, it doesn't you lock onto... You have to a grappling hook yeah, onto it, the tail to hit him. And also, you have to grappling hook onto uh, the tail yeah. on the... That's what you said. That's what I said, yeah. yeah. And you also have to pull him in. To right, him. and you right. can't lock onto the tail, but you still figure that out. Yeah, which you have to aim at. But it certainly narrows it a whole lot more than, what do I shoot on this thing? Oh, I gotta say, like, the, co- the color coding is supposed to be the clue. Right. I don't know. We, the only, we, we the spent only like 20 thing, minutes. Yeah, the only other thing you can bus. interact with is the blue string. So you're like, okay, if you hit those, I'll try to hit the blue tail. Right. Oh, I didn't even notice they were blue. <laughs> they're like electric blue <laughs> in a dark room. Because <laughs> they're like electric. They're like magical. They're. Uh, it's electric. And it's boogie woogie. <laughs> you gotta feel it. It's electric. <sighs> Please send your condolences to whoever one of us you think has been murdered by the other at right. the end of this podcast. Um, way to fish for condolences, maybe. Yeah. I love condolences. Overall, I think great. they're, like, Zelda bosses should be more challenging. That's why I really like Puppet Ganon. Yeah, it's whatever. Boats, um, swords, bombs. Bacoblins? Bacoblins. What haven't we discussed? Um... I mean, <laughs> well, oh, I got I got something okay. legitimately is something that newer Zelda games I think haven't done as well, but that Ocarina and Wind Waker do really well is you feel like more of an attachment to the world because of the sage characters. Oh, like yes, yeah, like, like in Ocarina, things. like you feel more like involved in like what's going like the fate of the world because you've like made friends right. as Link and as you the player. Like, in the world, like, you're like, oh, I gotta save the Gorons because I helped that Goron and he named his son after me. Yeah. You know, like, you feel like a connection, you're like, oh, I care about the Zoras because of connection to Princess Rudo, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Right. And this Wind Waker also does that by having Makar and Medley. Like, you care, and they get to go through the temples with them, like, you care about those characters. Right. And it just, you feel more about, like, saving the world because you're connected to the characters. And then they subverted that in a really interesting manner in Majora's Mask by making you, like, impersonate dead people who want your help. <laughs> well, that's more of, like, a side effect of it. I feel like in Majora is the game where you most feel connected to right. characters. Right, Th- but that's, but like, a spe- to the world. Right, that's, like, a specific right. goal of that game. Yeah. And, it, like, it's much different than the other Zelda yeah. games. So. Majora is a game... It's a different... Yeah. Ocarina <laughs> of Time is a, ga- is a game, an adventure game, where the end of the world is looming. In Majora, it's a character drama where the end of the world is looming. (laughs) Much more literally. Uh, And Wind Waker is after the world has ended. Right. (laughs) You're trying to save what's left of it. Right. It's a... 
Yeah, but, but you just feel you feel more there. directly involved because of those characters, which mm-hmm. is already don't exist in numerous Zone games. Which is a fairly miraculous accomplishment, uh, like if you felt that way, considering how like spaced out everything is. Yep, it's hard to feel a connection to a character when you're a million miles away from them, right? Like on a boat in the middle of the ocean. Oh, that cute little Macar. Yeah, he is like great. the most adorable thing it's on a, planet Earth. I said Jingle Bell, but. Plays the violin and it is a leaf, and he's great. And it's also a leaf, it's like a potato sack. That's what I always thought they looked like. That's fair. I think they're supposed to look like. I think, so I think they're supposed. To, yeah, like uh, yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Good work. You don't want to talk about Tingle? I mean, I don't. I don't think that he's the. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. Tingle as a character has is. Ne- is pretty bad in every Zelda he, game. He's really one. interesting, though. I think he's creepy. Yeah, like, it's, he's such a weird character that they only throw in occasionally. Right. He has slaves. Yeah, yeah, he keeps his brothers as slaves <laughs> in this game. What are they even doing? They're, They're pushing, they pushing but, a, a wheel. Why? What does it do? To spin the tower. So that he can look and make charts. Tingle charts. Wow. You can't just, like, walk nope. to the different sides. <laughs> <You can't. laughs> yeah. If you really hate Tingle, then I'd say Majora's Mask does him slightly better, because in order to talk to him, you have to drop him 20 feet to the ground. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, but yeah, no, I just think he's, like, incredibly interesting as a character. I don't know. You should buy that... I think Japanese only tingle. It's game European, game. weirdly. What? Yeah, you can get it. You can get a European version of it. Yeah, oh. I'm actually like really want to play that game. It does actually look pretty good, but it's just a it's just a game about how greedy Tingle is. Yeah, Tingle is like the Wario of the Zelda. Series. Oh, he's absolutely. He's like the Waluigi <laughs> because he's just like super weird. Right. He's not as unknown as Waluigi. Right. Waluigi is like a background force of the universe. Yeah. He, he, there's, what? Nothing, there's, no, there's nothing known about Waluigi at all. He just he came just, to existence. Oh, right, yeah. He's, he's like gravity. He's just a thing that's around. Right. And no one appears to like really know much about his like existence. or Except he's he just, could be gone and no one would care. He's just anti-Luigi. Oh, people yeah. would care. I so, would care. I would care, too. I would not care. I, I like the random, like really weird-ass Nintendo characters. Anyway. Yeah. Yep. I've always been a fan of Birdo, personally. That does, that totally counts. As a weird ass, yeah. yeah. That's what I was going for. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the one that I have an affinity. It's for. like uh, what, like Hubert and Yoshi like got together, right? That's yeah. Like, oh, wow, never heard that before. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's really accurate. Yep. This is some pretty good relevant. Anything <laughs> <laughs> um, else? Honestly, I don't know. Uh, I feel like there's lots of stuff that we could talk about. Yeah. Like, the, all the characters that exist on, like, Windfall Island are really, like, expressive and have their own backstories that you can piece together, or they'll just tell you outright. Yeah. Like, the guy who sells you the sail is, like, has, like, the... like the has, Yeah, he looks like... A, yeah, and anyway, yeah. has, like, a big parka on, and... I think it just must just do with, with the art style of the game as it does with any other storytelling elements though. Because right? everyone has to look so different for you to have like a like a yeah. visual idea. For I also art. really like the killer bees. Oh yeah, the killer bees. That group of street punks. Um, for your benefit, they're doing the killer bees like strut right yeah. now. 
And uh, I'm sure that, that girl, they grew up to be a rockabilly. That band. girl you have to like follow around the, the thief. Oh yeah, the, the ex millionaire girl. Yeah, yeah. she's cute. I don't think anything that was really stand up. Was really stand out though, in comparison to other Zelda games or action games as a whole. It just seems expected. I don't know about games as a whole. Action games as a whole. I don't know about action games as a whole. Yeah, I disagree with that too. I can't think of other games that do those kinds of things. You yeah. just have NPCs with their own little like, dialogue trees. I mean that exists, but like I, no, I think I there's little the like design. interactivity. Yeah, I, it's I think that interactivity is something that's expected from NPCs, but I feel like the the design the, the that way, went into yeah. the Wind Waker's NPCs is pretty spectacular. I'm not saying it's completely unique. I'm just saying that it is well done. It's so it's just I don't know. It's another step to make the world seem real, but that's like we could literally like any game that we talk about be like. Yeah. There are a few steps to make this world seem really real. Yeah. Super real. But no, I mean, honestly, there are lots of things that we could get into and nitpick. Dungeon design, you know, like this and that about each dungeon if we really wanted to. But as an overall thing, I think that we've hit the main points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know what you you know what to expect. It's a Zelda game, and you've touched on all the things that make it worthy of unique discussion of this cast yeah I mean the reason that I pulled aside as being one of my like favorites is just because I like Zelda games and that has to be like an expected thing when going in like I wouldn't say that if you walked away from a Zelda game before and were like this isn't for me picking up the Wind Waker just because I think it's the best I don't think gives you a the idea that like this game is gonna change your mind on it like, it does follow the same kind of thing, uh, but I just think it does it particularly well. I think it executes the Zelda formula in a way that's different enough and rewards exploration enough and is cute and attractive enough to, like, really kind of draw me in. It's a game that keeps me, like, happy when I'm playing it. I'm glad you're happy, Chad. <laughs> I'm glad, dude. Oh, you're a glad dude. Yeah. I thought you said you're glad dude. I'm glad dude. Sounds like a superhero word. Oh, glad glad dude. (laughs) Glad man. With the power, with the proportional strength and agility of a black trash bag. (laughs) You could also be one of those little plastic Tupperware containers. Oh, yeah, I guess it's true. Don't get mad. I don't know which is stronger than those by, like, any metric or ratio. We should go test that right now. Thank you for listening to uh, No Clip this week. Uh... (laughs) Brought to you by Glad. Glad, yeah, and Taco Bell, Dung. and Tic Tacs, and yeah, not uh, just a mint, and the Steam controller, tic-tac. not just a controller. It's, it's a, a Tic Tac. <laughs> uh, <laughs> email us. Yeah. You can get a hold of us as per usual at uh, noclippodcast at gmail dot com, uh, noclippodcast dot com, where this episode will be posted. Our YouTube page, which you. Currently, just have to search no clip and find our sick logo in order to get a hold of. Uh, sick, sick logo. Uh, our Twitter account set up at no clip podcast. That's basically all the contact information we have. Yeah, and if you can find any other ways to contact us. Uh, don't I would really <laughs> that would scare us greatly. So or do so that we can cover like whatever security flaw. <laughs> I'll just get like a letter will show up at my house and be like, hey, I found you. <laughs> but uh, what are we going to talk about next time? Uh, next time, Transistor. We'll be talking about two weeks from now. November, anyone know? 
I think yeah. let's see. Uh, ooh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. At the 28th? Something like that? Man, know. that's really long. The 28th? Yeah. Why do we have to wait that long? Well, the safest way to do it would Bye. be to release annually. Bye. See you guys next year. Bye. <laughs> the Broad Blast. Pod Broad. Blast cast. <laughs> Women. <laughs> the horny squirts podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what if I done? Wow, you're just like blowing my mind.